We're always here, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, fetching you expert perspectives on sports gaming, odds, and more. Kind of like a faithful dog, without all that butt sniffing. We're the home of the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Hour number two of a football Friday edition of the morning after right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. In this second hour, it's college football time right here on TMA. We get you set for weekend number 10 across the college football landscape. The final month of the regular season is now underway in CFP, which means CFP college football playoff hopes are dwindling each and every week as we go through the regular season so joining us to make sense of the landscape right now is sports grids college football analyst joe lisi who is a permanent fixture it seems here in this second hour a college football hour on the morning after on a friday joe thank you so much for being here once again well, maybe I'm a little biased, but this has to be the best hour of the show, Ben. College football, talking it for an hour, kicking it around top 25. I mean, that's what it's all about. Joe, you know me. I'm a college football person first <laughs> and foremost. So, yes, this is my favorite hour of the week every single week. But before we dive into college football, just want to touch on some more breaking news we have this morning out of the NFL. It is now confirmed by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that the Cleveland Browns are officially releasing Odell Beckham Jr. On his 29th birthday, OBJ will no longer be with the Cleveland Browns. There was a ton of speculation throughout the week that Odell was not happy with Cleveland. His father posted a video, maybe some moves at the trade deadline. That did not happen, but the Browns have restructured some of OBJ's uh, contract to make this an easier financial move for both sides. Now Odell Beckham Jr. will be placed on waivers on Monday, teams can start shopping around the market to see if they want the services of Odell Beckham Jr. So, Joe, that's the NFL breaking news. Now we flip it back to college football. And as we get ready for this weekend, a great Saturday slate. My focus right now is in the Big 12 because one of the biggest stories all weekend long was about the Texas Longhorns, but not so much Bevo. Maybe their new mascot, a monkey. And Steve Sarkeesian was asked about that monkey yesterday in his press conference, and he said it is strictly business. That is a personal matter. So when we preview Texas on the road against Iowa State this weekend, of course, for the graphic, we needed the title to be no monkey business for the Texas Longhorns. If you don't know the story I am describing right now, just go to Twitter, do a quick search of <laughs> Monkey Gate, and you'll find out everything you could possibly need to know. This is a family-friendly program here on The Morning After. I'm not going to dive into all the details about Monkey Gate for the Texas Longhorns. But right now, as Steve Sarkeesian says, Joe, the focus needs to be on the football field. Texas has had a hard time staying in front of teams in the second half. They have blown three second-half leads in the past four weeks, and now they head on the road to Ames, Iowa, taking on the Iowa State Cyclones. Texas getting currently six and a half points on the FanDuel Sportsbook against the Cyclones. How do you approach this matchup for both teams, Joe, that desperately need a win in Big Ten, uh, Big 12 competition? Excuse me. 
Yeah, both teams are coming off a loss, Ben, and it might seem like lackluster teams heading into this matchup, but I still lean to Iowa State here for a couple of factors. Iowa State has won two straight games in the series, picked up this victory last year in Austin to go to the Big 12 championship game 23-20, to 20, and you're talking about a mindset right now in Texas. What, what is the mindset? You know, they, they're not in ball games in terms of a four-quarter effort. They, um, as we welcome in our radio audience right here, Joe Lisi and, and Ben Stevens uh, right here on TMA talking about Iowa State and Texas right now, breaking it down. But that's the problem, Ben. I mean, Texas at four and four, they're reeling. They lose back-to-back ball games, and now they go on the road to face Iowa State. The problem that I have is the front seven of Texas has given up about 198 rushing yards per game. This game, to me, still means more to the physical Iowa State team than it does the the Longhorns in this matchup. And more importantly, you look at just the road perspective. Texas, one and three straight up on the road or on a neutral field site. It's back-to-back road games for the Longhorns. I think this is one of my better bets of the weekend. Iowa State steps up. They pound the rock. They have the better quarterback in the matchup and Brock Purdy. I think they cover this number fairly easy, even though they have struggled in recent weeks as a favorite. And, Joe, the market working in your favor. I saw this last night at 5.5 in favor of the home teams, the Cyclones, in Ames this weekend. Now it's 6.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. You mentioned Iowa State has struggled against the number, just 1-3 in ATS at home this year, but Texas has only been an underdog twice. They have failed to cover 0-2 ATS in both of those games. So trends not really strong in either team's side, but Iowa State, I agree, has a little bit more to play for. 16-1, to rather long odds to win the Big 12 right now, but still the fourth shortest in the conference quickly here joe baylor has the third shortest odds to win the big 12 right now they go on the road this week laying six and a half against tcu tcu no longer with gary patterson as the head coach only about 30 seconds left how do you approach this matchup between baylor and tcu well two of my better picks are in the big 12 love iowa state i love tcu they've won five of the last six they picked up this victory 33 to 23 last year and the potential look ahead for baylor november 13th with oklahoma i think they might win but i think tcu is a live dog in this matchup could be a rally spot for the tcu horn frogs to do it for old gary patterson meanwhile baylor has oklahoma Next Saturday, all the narratives and surrounding factors for this game. So those were some games in the Big 12. We go to the Pac-12 next because some impactful games on the horizon. That's next right here on the morning after on Sportsbook. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network. 
I'm your host, Ben Stevens, alongside Joe Lisi for this second hour as we run through the gamut for college football, entering the final month of the regular season here now in the first Saturday of November. And this weekend, Joe, we have huge games that have huge conference ramifications as people are in the hunt for a conference title, but also how it might affect the college football playoff rankings and the CFP odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll look at the CFP odds in our next segment. Right now, we focus on the Pac-12. A huge game in the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 North, this upcoming Saturday between Oregon and Washington. And when we look at those Pac-12 odds right now, Joe, there seems to be a two-horse race at the top of the Pac-12 conference. Oregon is the slight favorite right now at even money, plus 100. Then you have Utah, only 10 cents behind at plus 110. Then a very big drop-off to the team with the third shortest odds, the Washington Huskies at 12 to 1, and then an even farther drop-off to Oregon State at 40 to 1, where Arizona State also finds themselves as well. So, Joe, do you believe it is really a two-horse race in the Pac-12 between Oregon and Utah? Uh, I do at this point, Ben. In terms of the offense and defensive line play, what we see with the Utes and Ducks respectively, I think they're clear-cut, the two front runners in terms of the Pac-12 right now. Now, both teams are going to square off in another week or so in Salt Lake City, assuming they get through their Week 10 opponents this coming Saturday. It's not going to be easy. Obviously, tonight, Utah and Stanford square off. Utah did run the football effectively against UCLA last week, opportunistic against Garbers in that offense. And on the flip side, Oregon does have an arch rival rivalry type of game in Seattle. That's not going to be easy as well. When you looked at Washington's performance last week in Palo Alto from a defensive perspective, they held the Cardinal to 61 rushing yards on the ground, were able to pound the rock, physical type of a, a point of attack, averaged well over four and a half yards per carry that's going to be a gutty effort in terms of Oregon getting through that battle in Seattle I still like Oregon in that matchup but I still would take the points from the gambling perspective Washington just have a hunch that they might keep this game a little bit closer and tonight's matchup also lean to the physicality of Utah on the road although they're a much better home team than they have shown in recent weeks, they lost as a favorite a couple of weeks ago as a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Beavers. Yeah, so, Joe, let's dive into that game we just saw on our screen right there. Tomorrow in the Pac-12 North, a bitter rivalry renewed between the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies. If you have not been following the college football landscape, there have been some choice words shared between these two sides entering Saturday's contest. Jimmy Lake, the head coach for Washington, when asked about Oregon and their recruiting battles in the West Coast, pretty much said, we don't recruit against Oregon. They're not a good enough academic school to keep up with us. We recruit against the likes of Stanford and some of the other smarter schools. Oregon, rightfully so, took exception to that and they are going to try to beat down Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake then doubled down on the, or did not double down. He tried to retroactively say in those comments that what he meant was he had respect for Oregon, just was trying to highlight his own program. But these two teams do not like each other. And in the Pac-12 North, this is a huge game. The reason that you see Oregon right now atop the Pac-12 Conference Championship odds, not only because they are the number four team in the country, they have a path through the Pac-12 North division. Utah is only 10 cents behind them because they are the leaders 
of the South right now. And that's why we might see those two teams face off in the Pac-12 title game. We will see them play each other in just two Saturdays from now in or two weeks I should say there's two games for each Oregon and Stanford before we get to that meeting between Utah and Oregon coming up the second to last week of this regular season so back to what I was saying before got a little sidetracked there Oregon and Washington a bitter rivalry renewed between two rivals in the Pac-12 North like you mentioned Joe Oregon laying six and a half on the road tomorrow in Seattle Oregon this year as a favorite oh and six against the number Washington this year two and six against the number you mentioned taking the points with the Huskies how else do you approach this matchup in the Pac-12 North I think it's going to be a lower scoring game under the 51 and a half total strictly because of how Washington I believe wants to play this game they want to play it much like they did on the road against Stanford last week shorten the game and get into the fourth quarter because when you just look at the offensive playmakers right now you have to give the edge to the Oregon Ducks even though CJ Verdell has been absent from that lineup over the past three weeks they have Travis Dye they have Pittman they have red they have anthony brown that's a mobile quarterback that can put pressure on washington's defense on the perimeter if oregon does in fact jump up early in this ball game it's going to be very hard and difficult for in my opinion dylan morris to match the duck speed score for score so i think it's going to be critical for washington to run the football shorten the game and that's why i like this the the huskies playing at home but really feel that this game does go in fact under the 51 and a half total with two solid defensive fronts in terms of the Pac-12 in this matchup and yeah we've seen this spread and total even move a little bit this morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook ahead of tomorrow's matchup now it's Oregon past that touchdown number laying seven and a half on the road and the total down by a point to 50 and a half live right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook Oregon is not covering as a favorite by more than a touchdown on average per game again 0-6 ATS. Washington straight up this year, 4-4, four 2-6 four, against the number. They have won two straight, but it was a 21-16 win over winless Arizona, and it was a one-score win over Stanford last week. If I'm looking at this matchup and agreeing with you, Joe, that we can correlate an under here to what might be a closer low-scoring game, I would also maybe look at a Washington team total under because they're off this year has not been great by any means. And maybe that's where I go instead of trying to lay a touchdown or more with the Oregon Ducks. So the game we also were referencing tonight in the Pac-12, Utah on the road against Stanford. And let's focus on that for the Utes first and foremost. On the road, because Utah on the road this year has been pretty much a drastically different team than they have been at home in Salt Lake. So far this year, Utah just one and three on the road straight up. Their only win coming against USC about a couple of weeks ago. They were a three-point underdog in that game. They won outright. But on the road as a favorite this year, Joe, Utah is just 0-3, not covering by an average margin of 12.3 points per game. This line was an eight and a half, now nine and a half in Utah's favor against Stanford tonight. How do you approach this game? 
Yeah, I really like Utah in this matchup. And the reason why is the ability for Cam Rising to attack that secondary over the top for the Stanford Cardinal. And more importantly, when you just look at Stanford's game last week, they got beat up in the trenches, now have to face another physical team in terms of the Utah Utes. And you look at Stanford's offense as a whole, they're starting to come back and revert back to 2020 form where they failed to run the football consistently. Like I mentioned earlier, only 61 rushing yards on the Washington front seven. That put Tanner McKee and that offense into predictable long third down situations and again I think it's the same type of game that we saw play out only this time Utah is the better offense and defense aligns heading into this ball game by a significant margin I think they win this ball game fairly easy tonight in Palo Alto double digit win by the Utah Utes Oh, Joe Lisi's calling it right now. Utah 4-0 at home this year. A perfect number straight up. Just 1-3 on the road so far for Utah. Utah ahead of that game against Oregon in a couple of weeks for now. The second last week of the regular season has Stanford tonight and then winless Arizona. Oregon has Washington tomorrow and then Washington State the next week after that before what might be a preview of the Pac-12 title game between the two teams with the shortest odds right now in the second to last week of the regular season. Oregon even money plus 100 as the favorites to win the Pac-12 Utah plus 110 only 10 cents behind Oregon also the number four team in the first CFP poll of the year how we can correlate to the market that is moving for the CFP odds that's next year on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Second hour of the morning after on this football Friday, make it a college football Friday for this second hour rolls on here on sports grid Sirius XM channel 159 alongside Joe Lisi sports grid CFB analyst. I am Ben Stevens. The first college football playoff rankings of the year came out on Tuesday night. We can have our opinions. We can debate the order, but what we know for sure is how those rankings now correlate to the odds to make the college football playoff on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's see how those odds have moved from just about a month ago. It is time for college football playoff market movers. So Joe, a screenshot of the CFP odds back on October 8th. Friday, October 8th, just less than a month ago, is where we begin this conversation. And when we look at this board right now, there were two favorites tied at the top with the best odds to make the college football playoff, both hailing from the SEC. Georgia at minus 800, Alabama also at minus 800. Then there was a pretty significant drop-off to the team with minus money, but the next best odds to make the CFP, Oklahoma, was minus 122. Then Ohio State was in plus money at plus 146. Cincinnati, 
plus money at plus 205. Compare that to the odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and there are four teams in minus money, with Cincinnati being the fifth team on the outside looking in. Georgia, somehow, some way, the odds got even better for them, minus 2,000 to make the college football playoff. Alabama, slightly worse after the loss to Texas A&M, minus 164. Oklahoma, the second best odds right now at minus 174. Ohio State tied at the same odds price with Alabama at minus 164. And then Cincinnati, plus 180. So, Joe, this does not include the number three team in the country, Michigan State, whose odds right now are plus 1040 to make the college football playoff. This does not include the number four team in the country, the Oregon Ducks, whose odds right now are plus 270 to make the college football playoff. And rounding out the top eight, it also does not include Michigan at number seven in all the land. Their odds to make the CFP right now on FanDuel plus 350. But we focus on those five teams, the five teams with the best odds right now, the best chance to make the college football playoff on FanDuel and how the market has moved either for them or against them. Where does your eye go first, Joe Lisi? It goes straight to the undefeated team of the Oklahoma Sooners from minus 122 to minus 174. As bad as they look, Ben, they're still the front runners in the Big 12 undefeated. They have a a game pending with uh, Oklahoma State in Bedlam. They've beaten Oklahoma State in six straight meetings by an average margin of victory of 18.3 points per game. And if this team runs the table and is a Big 12 champion, I have, I have to say they're going to be there in the, in the college football playoff. There's no doubt that the Oklahoma Sooners will be standing in the end. So minus 174, even though it's not great value, it's still under two to one. And I would still take that bet with the Oklahoma Sooners. I will say this. I'll throw out a potential maybe dark horse that nobody's talking about. We had talked all year and the committee and, and just bookmakers have talked about the potential of Iowa State being the first two lost team. Let's not forget Auburn, you know, and I'm not saying I'm buying all in, but if Auburn, let's say, navigates through their schedule, they are a four and a half point dog against Texas A&M. They still have to play Alabama in the Iron Bowl. If they win those games and face Georgia in the SEC championship game and win out, how can the committee not, not keep or not put in Auburn as a two-loss team after knocking off Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia in the month of November and December? When you look at these five teams that we have right now on the board, the three others we mentioned to round out the top eight, the 10th-ranked team in the country, Notre Dame, at plus 1460, we only have those nine teams listed on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. So Auburn doesn't even have odds to make the college football playoff But Joe is correct. Auburn still has a chance of making the SEC title game. A strong path to get there. It starts this weekend on the road in College Station, getting four and a half points against Texas A&M. But there is maybe a path if they win out for Auburn to make the college football playoff. Joe, to touch on your point about Oklahoma, it is fascinating to correlate this market right now with the actual CFP poll itself. Oklahoma, despite being an unbeaten 9-0 team, is ranked 8th in the country. 8th in the country, yet in the college football playoff odds, they have seen the market work in their favor by 50 cents from minus 122 to minus 174. They still have the second best chance of making the college football playoff, according to this market, only behind Georgia right now, and yet they are ranked 8th 
in the initial poll, but it makes sense for OU. What Oklahoma has coming up will decide if the Sooners are a legitimate unbeaten team. Just four and five against the spread this year is Oklahoma. You can't tell me Gary Barta doesn't know the lines heading into any given Saturday throughout the college football landscape. But Oklahoma next weekend has Baylor, then they have Iowa State, then Bedlam against Oklahoma State before the Big 12 title game if they get there. So plenty of opportunity for OU to shoot up the rankings board and according to where the FanDuel Sportsbook has them on the odds board at minus 174, FanDuel believes that the Sooners are going to win the Big 12 championship. That's why they're minus 220 as the heavy odds on favorite to do that on FanDuel as well. Joe, I think you could look at Cincinnati right now, knowing that Cincy got screwed by the committee, in my opinion, ranked number six in the country in the first rankings, and think plus 205 to plus 180, as we have seen them here in these odds, their odds getting shorter, that that's a good thing for Cincinnati. Wrong. Cincinnati, just two weeks ago, was in minus money at minus 102. Entering the first rankings of the year last Tuesday night, they were plus 122. So in the last two weeks, the market has moved against them. And Joe, I don't know how their odds get any better than plus 180 at the moment, unless all the teams around them start to fall. That's a great point. We heard Gary Barta come out and say that those two lackluster wins against Navy and against Tulane, respectively, where they were basically a double-digit, big double-digit favorite and failed to cover in both of those ballgames, played into the committee's decision. So even if Cincinnati runs the table, to your point, they're not going to have another marquee win like they had over Notre Dame in the middle part of the year. So they're not going to wow the committee by just running the table and being the American athletic champion. So they're going to need some help. They're actually also going to need, I believe, Notre Dame to lose down the stretch, even though that might hurt them. If Notre Dame is there and, let's say, flies up the charts with some of these undefeated teams getting knocked off in recent weeks, if the committee's poised with a, just a, a two-team fourth-quarter spot, fourth thing right there, they're going to go for Notre Dame for the viewership, the sponsorship over Cincinnati. So I think that Cincinnati, to get into the college football playoff, will need Oklahoma to lose. They'll need Ohio State to drop a game down the stretch. Oregon to drop a game down the stretch and then potentially Alabama to lose in the SEC championship game and then they'll have a legitimate shot but outside of that I don't see the Bearcats cracking the top four in the last month and a half of the season and I think why their odds got worse in the college football playoff market right now on FanDuel from plus 122 entering Tuesday night's initial rankings to where it stands now at plus 180 is because of what you just stated, Joe Lisi. Not only do they need to worry about who is ahead of them to move up, they also have to worry about Oklahoma behind them who has the second best odds to win the CFP. And maybe it's right that Cincinnati doesn't control its own destiny. And it's maybe fair or unfair that Cincy needs to cover spreads to have those style points for the committee that we don't judge other teams with coming out of Power 5 conferences as compared to the group of five. But I think based on these initial rankings, it should take into account when Cincinnati has done at least give them a glimmer of hope because still, even if Alabama wins out, if Ohio State wins out, if Oklahoma wins out, There's no chance Cincinnati makes it at that point, but you could put them in the top four right now and at least have that path to the college football playoff. That was not the case for Cincinnati, and we have seen their odds grow longer. Now at plus 180 to make the college football playoff. Joe, I also look at Alabama. Of course, the loss they suffered to Texas A&M happened after they were minus 800 as the co-favorites to make 
the college football playoff, still minus 164. And my conversation about Bama has always been this. If they are minus 164 to make the college football playoff, no two-loss team has ever made it in the now eight-year history of the college football playoff. Alabama already has one loss. So if they are a minus money favorite at minus 164 to make the CFP, that would assume a win in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Do you agree with that thought process of where Alabama finds themselves right now in the odds market? Yeah, I mean, they clearly still hold a ton of value right here at minus 164, head and shoulders above most of the SEC teams. I think the one thing that you look at as even though they're a dominant favorite over LSU, 29 and a half points, it's still a rivalry game. They then have to face Arkansas, another blue-collar team, and then Auburn, another rival in terms of that perspective on the road in the plane. So I still think there's value with Alabama, but the potential in terms of two games on the road, that that's going to factor into this type of situation. The road game against Auburn in a neutral field spot with Georgia – should they get there, it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, you know, for Alabama. But right now, the books are buying into to the Crimson Tide. And when Nick Saban wins seven national championships, it's hard to argue that point. Maybe a two-loss possibility for the Crimson Tide also baked into that number of minus 164. If you put Bama number two in these initial rankings and it seemed pretty easy to do so, I don't think we can rule out a two-loss Bama if it is a tight game in that SEC championship against Georgia. As we go through this college football hour of the morning after, we get you set for the Saturday slate. That's next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Joined by Joe Lisi for this second hour, a college football hour on this football Friday, right here on the grid. We are going to go through some of Lisi's leans for weekend number 10 of the college football season. The first Saturday in November, games mean a little bit more now as we have the college football playoff rankings in the races for conference championships get a little bit more heated. Right now, Joe, the team with the second best odds to win the ACC, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, plus 350 to win the Atlantic Coast Conference right now. And Wake also ranked ninth in the country according to the first CFP rankings we got on Tuesday night. Wake Forest this year, a perfect 8-0 straight up, 5-0 straight up in conference play, but just 4-4 four four ATS. They are getting 2.5 points on the road tomorrow against North Carolina in Chapel Hill. What do you make of that matchup between the Tar Heels and the Demon Deeks? 
Well, in 2020, it was an absolute thriller that North Carolina won 59-53. And I was on North Carolina last week against Notre Dame. They were in a potential to get the backdoor cover, got sacked on the final play of the game. And where's the mindset of North Carolina right now? We understand that they're not the same offensive team, but it starts with the offensive line, Ben. I mean, you look at Sam Howell, how many times he's been pressured Throughout the year, that offensive line has allowed over 30 sacks this year heading into this ball game, And this is not a conference game. Mike Carver and I discussed it yesterday. This will not count against the conference records. So for that matter, I think Wake Forest is a live dog here. They have, they're playing with house money. They can lose this game and still get to the year-end goal of getting to the ACC championship. Both teams are going to look to outscore each other. The more complete team, the more consistent team is on the underdog side with Sam Hartman, Christian Beale Smith, and Roberson, the big play wide receiver. Give me the two and a half points with Wake Forest in this ballgame. I lean with the underdog as well. Like Joe mentioned, this is not an ACC game. Yes, Wake Forest and North Carolina are ACC foes, but... This game was scheduled many moons ago in college football before the Demon Deacons were a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So not a conference game for Wake Forest, who right now has the second best odds to win the ACC championship. This is where things get real for Wake Forest. 8-0, but they are just 4-4 against the spread. We have North Carolina this week for Wake Forest, then the following week it's NC State, and then the weekend after that, it's Clemson. We will know if the Demon Deacons are for real and have that path ahead of them into an ACC championship game. Wake Forest has only been booked as an underdog one other time this year, Jalisi. A three-and-a-half-point dog against Virginia earlier on this season. The Deeks won that game outright, 37-17. to North Carolina hasn't necessarily inspired me at all this year. I think the Demon Deacons are a very live dog, maybe even a sprinkle on that money line for Chapel Hill tomorrow between Wake Forest and North Carolina. Joe, we mentioned this game as we were discussing the college football playoff odds. You made the point that Auburn still has a path to the SEC championship game, as does Texas A&M. They both need Alabama to lose one more time, but both of these teams in contention, maybe if not for an SEC championship game, a New Year's Six Bowl. Auburn on the road in College Station this weekend. The Tigers getting four and a half points. The Aggies a four and a half point home favorite. The over-under total, just 49 and a half. Joe, throughout most of his career, as the quarterback for War Eagle, Bo Nix has taken some shots on the road. That has been a common diss about Bo Nix as he has played quarterback for Auburn. They are getting four and a half points. Do you think that Bo Nix can turn around the narrative of his road struggles and pick up a big win over Texas A&M? I do. And as a freshman a couple of years ago, he went into Kyle Field and College Station as a four and a half point underdog and came out with a 28-20 victory. I think when you look at Auburn right now, they came out of a bye week. They caught Ole Miss just at the right time. But the offense and defensive line play look very solid. They're pounding the rock with Tank Bigsby staying in manageable third down situations. And that front seven is going to be very difficult for Isaiah Spiller and Texas A&M 
to run the football consistently. And more importantly, even though Texas A&M is coming out of a bye week, you're talking about a team that was hitting on all cylinders in terms of three straight wins. One of those wins did come against top-ranked Alabama. Now you disrupt that against a team that showed consistency coming out of the bye. I think that's a detriment for the Texas A&M Aggies heading into this ballgame with the more experienced quarterback in terms of Bo Nix, even though he's on the road. I think they win this ballgame outright plus the four and a half like Auburn to to strike the upset against Texas A&M in this spot. Plus 172 right now are the Auburn Tigers on that money line against Texas A&M for Sunday. That game, or Saturday, excuse me. That game, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the SEC showdown between Auburn and Texas A&M. One thing to know about the Aggies, the third best scoring defense in the country right now, only giving up 16.1 points per game on average to their opponents that's why you see that over under total under 50 49 in the hook right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook as we move from the SEC to my favorite conference the Big Ten Joe having a great matchup for the number three team in the country Michigan State Michigan State has been overlooked and undervalued by the sportsbooks all year long and that might be the case once again as the Spartans are only laying two and a half points even on the road in West Lafayette against Purdue the Spartans the number three team in the country still plus 1040 to make the college football playoffs still plus 1000 to win the Big Ten Conference title still 80 to 1 to win the national championship Joe why all the hate for Michigan State when it comes (laughs) to how the market is valuing them Well, I don't know if it's hate, Ben. I think I equate this type of situation back to 2016 with the Texas A&M Aggies and their quarterback, Trevor Knight. When the first college football rankings came out, their only loss at that particular time came against Alabama, and they were the number four team in terms of the first overall rankings. They then proceeded that weekend to go on the road to Starkville as an 11.5-point favorite and got blown out of the water. So can Michigan State, even though they're dominant up until this point in the season, can they handle the pressure, not just being undefeated and knocking off Michigan last week, but potentially being one of the top four teams in the country? They go on the road to face Purdue. They've beaten Purdue in eight straight meetings. Last time they played was back in 2018. But when you just look at the football matchup, Purdue has the type of offense averaging 307 passing yards per game to challenge that secondary of Sparty that's given up 300 yards uh, per game to opposing quarterbacks that's the matchup and let's not forget you know the strength of Purdue is the front seven holding opposing offenses to 132 rushing yards per game 32 percent on third down conversions this game is under the key number three I'm going to call for the upset here it's a close game but in the end Purdue and Jeff Brom strike the upset over Mel Tucker and the crew The Spartans just one of six remaining teams in college football that is unbeaten straight up. Just one of three teams left at the FBS level in college football with only a single loss against the spread. Six, one and one is what Michigan State is this year. Purdue and West Lafayette can be a house of horrors for teams in the Big Ten that have higher aspirations than just knocking off the Boilermakers. We saw Purdue already play spoiler on the road this year 
against Iowa. Purdue, as an underdog this year, has won two games, but both of those have come on the road in Iowa City as an 11.5 point dog against the Hawkeyes about a month ago, and then last Saturday as a 7.5 point underdog on the road in Lincoln, Nebraska against the Huskers. A line that never made sense to me for Nebraska being a 7.5 point favorite against any Big Ten team, yet Purdue prevailed, winning that game outright. So 2-2 two and two against the spread is Purdue as an underdog this year. Both of those covers also two outright wins for the Boilermakers. And Joe brings up a really good point about Michigan State's weakness right now defensively. It is in the secondary, the worst passing defense in the Big Ten. Purdue, like Joe mentioned, the third best passing offense in the Big Ten Conference. So Michigan State has Purdue this Saturday, Maryland the next, and then what could potentially be a matchup to decide the winner of the Big Ten East Division against Ohio State the second to last weekend of the year. All of that still on the horizon. Joe, there is a game featuring an SEC team that really intrigues me this weekend because of the quarterback matchup that we have. Malik Willis for Liberty, Matt Corral for Ole Miss, that SEC school I was just referencing. Ole Miss, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Liberty. It's not just the quarterback battle that's intriguing. It's the Hugh Freeze revenge game for Liberty against Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze, of course, the former head coach at Mississippi. A ton of things happened there that led to Hugh Freeze getting kicked out the door. Now he's back in Oxford on Saturday. From a spread perspective, what do you make of that number of eight-and-a-half? Yeah, it seems like it's a little light and you might favor Liberty in this matchup. Obviously, they haven't lived up to expectations with two road losses to both Syracuse and UL Monroe uh, as favorites in those ball games. But I'll say this, you know, you just look at Ole Miss right now. I know they're a little bit banged up. But both offenses are similar in terms of how they want to play. Up-tempo, want to put pressure on the opposing defense, on the perimeter mobile quarterbacks. I think Liberty does it well, but Ole Miss does it better. And even though Matt Corral is banged up in this ballgame, I think it's a short number. I do feel that it could be a close ballgame in the first half. But in the second half, the speed of Ole Miss takes over. I think they win this ballgame anywhere from 14 to 17 points. But I really like the over. We've seen Ole Miss in the last three games now trend to the under. That total last week was in the area of about 63 and a half, 64 against Auburn, 51 points last week. 66 and a half or 66 respectively to me seems light. I like Ole Miss, but I really like the over in this ballgame as my best play. Liberty has had six of their nine games this year hit the over, but this is the highest total Liberty has seen this season. Meanwhile, for Ole Miss, it's one of the smaller over-unders we have seen. Five of the eight games for the running Rebs have gone to the under this year, including three straight, like Joe mentioned. But you always get a very lofty number generally on Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. 57 combined points or less in the last three games for Ole Miss. That's the reason we have seen three straight unders for the Rebs. As you look at this game from a quarterback perspective, could be a matchup of the two first quarterbacks selected in the upcoming 2022 NFL Draft. Malik Willis has been speculated he might go number one overall in this upcoming NFL Draft. Matt Corral could be the second quarterback taken. Malik Willis, 684 rushing yards so far this year. The most rushing yards at anybody playing the quarterback position so far this year in college football. I'm not looking at a side or a total here, Joe. One thing I have loved that FanDuel has done here as of late, increase the player prop selections 
that we can have on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If, not out yet, but if they give it and they give you a Malik Willis rushing yards prop against Ole Miss, I am going to take the over. Ole Miss's rushing defense has not been great so far this year. They're down there near the bottom 40 in all of college football. That might be how I try to gain an edge for this game between Liberty and Ole Miss with all the storylines that go into Oxford this upcoming Saturday. Coming up next here to round out hour number two, it's how we finish off our college football hour each and every Friday. The Jack Weinberger cap of the weekend. He's looking at those Cincinnati Bearcats. Stay for Jack's cap as only they come. That's up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our number two here on the morning after on a football Friday right here on the grid. Sirius XM channel 159 all across the sports grid network alongside Joe Lisi for the entirety of this second hour. I am Ben Stevens. Our focus has been college football getting you set for the Saturday slate week number 10 which begins tomorrow in one of those games Cincinnati taken on Tulsa. This line has been anywhere from 22 and a half 23 and a half in favor of the Bearcats, the number six team in the CFP poll that needs to start covering games and winning decisively. So this is what we are going to do as we round out our number two always. It is the Jack Weinberger cap of the weekend. Jack is our associate producer here on the morning after our former intern. He handicaps college football games unlike anybody you have ever seen. So Jack earlier this week, Joe, went to McDonald's with a group of his friends. While he was in line, he normally gets chicken nuggets. He's like, you know what? I'm not feeling chicken tonight. I'm going to get the filet of fish sandwich. He wanted to spice it up, try something new. He gets the filet of fish sandwich. He is reminded how much he loves the fish sandwich at McDonald's that leads him to looking up where the fish sandwich was created. It wasn't like a hamburger thing back in the day. It was created in early 1960s in Cincinnati by Lou Groan, who made the filet of fish sandwich as a way for people during Lent to not have to, have to eat meat on Fridays to keep up business sales. So with all that information, Jack said to himself, of course, it's the Bearcats covering against Tulsa this weekend. Joe, what do you make of that cap? I actually like this cap, and I'm going to roll with it with Cincinnati because Tulsa has been abysmal, lost outright as a favorite to Navy a couple weeks ago. Cincinnati rolls. They need to get back on track after two wins but no covers. Bearcats minus 22.5 against Tulsa. We know that Cincinnati needs the style points, fair or unfair. Joe Lisi, you can catch him tomorrow on your Saturday College football today, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, getting you set for that Saturday slate. Joe, thanks as always. More of the morning after rolls on next.